Good morning and welcome to Monday morning, July the 27th in 2020 on When I Rise. We're in year A, proper week 13, which is the ninth Sunday after Pentecost. And on Mondays, we like to look at the, the Old Testament text for the week, which is Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 through 31. So I will read that passage and provide a couple points of reflection. Then we'll spend some time praying along a theme. Once again, when I'm trying to read uh, the Old Testament text, if it's in Genesis through Deuteronomy, I'm using the translation of Richard Elliott Friedman. He's an Old Testament scholar. Um, his book is called The Bible with Sources Revealed. It, uh, it's a bit of a hat tip towards some scholarship called the Documentary Hypothesis. So if the translation sounds so different from what you have in maybe your NIV or ESV, it's simply because this is a very wooden translation from an Old Testament scholar straight from the Hebrew Old Testament text. So have no fear. Uh, I stumble through the words because it's brand new to me as well. But I'm going to read it from that translation once again. Um, so you can look at, up at, for it on Amazon if you're interested in reading further. But I find it to be a pretty good source when studying the Old Testament text. So once again, I'll read that passage and uh, re- reflection and then spend some time praying. Thanks for making this party morning on When Our Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 through 31. And the offering passed ahead of Jacob, and he spent that night in the camp. And he got up in the night, and took his two wives and his two maids and his eleven boys, and crossed the Jabbok ford. And he took them and had them cross the wadi, and he had everything that was his cross. And Jacob was left by himself. And a man wrestled with him until the dawn's rising. And he saw that he was not able against him, and he touched the inside of his thigh, and the inside of Jacob's thigh was dislocated during his wrestling with him. And he said, Let me go, because the dawn has risen. And he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Your name won't be Jacob anymore, but Israel, because you've struggled with God and with people and were able. And Jacob asked, and he said to him, Tell me your name. And he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the place the name Peniel, because I have seen God face to face, and my life has been delivered. And the sun rose on him as he passed Penuel, and he was faltering on his thigh. On account of this, the children of Israel to this day will not eat the tendon of the vein that is on the inside of the thigh, because he touched the inside of Jacob's thigh, the tendon of the vein. This is the word of God for us. Every major religious text has these certain characters within them called idealized human figures. We're supposed to like look at them and see them as ideal candidates for who we need to be if we're going to be faithful before God. And one of the characters of the biblical characters, um, what we find from, even from the beginning to the end, we find it here in the book of Genesis all the way to the end, is that the idealized human figures that we find have critical flaws about them as well. They're not perfect. Uh, they're not raised way above the rest of us humans below, uh, but they've got 
a great parody about them. And this is what we see in Jacob in this story. We've seen this in Jacob's life from the very beginning, but we see it here. We see this collision of two great things. Uh, Jacob is wrestling with God. He's about ready to face his brother Esau. And if you remember the last encounter that they had and the encounters that led up to that, Esau vowed to to kill Jacob, to bring ruin to him. And so Jacob had to run from him. And so as Jacob is preparing to face his brother, the lingering question in the background is this. What we know for early from the book of Genesis is that Cain and Abel had conflict and Cain killed his brother. So the question in the narrative is, will Jacob and Esau have the same conflict that Cain and Abel has? And will one of them die because of it? So God seems to intervene here. And what's necessary for Jacob is for him to be humbled in some way so that this encounter with his brother Esau might have more redemptive shape to it. So Jacob is powerful in this story. He is wrestling with God. Uh, he, he has seen God face to face as he confesses. And they wrestle all night long. Jacob is quite the opponent for God as they wrestle. But Jacob also has a critical flaw. And he's impaired in this moment. And his name change embodies this uh, collision, these two ideas of his power and of his weakness colliding together, where Jacob wrestles and he struggles with God. Uh, his name is now Israel, one who strives with God. And uh, Jacob walks with a limp with the rest of his life. A uh, hip preacher that I heard once called this the Holy Spirit pimp walk. This necessary wound that we get so that we don't, we're not so prideful in our own lives. And so Jacob leans on his staff all the way for the rest of his life. He has to be supported. And perhaps there's some wisdom there. We only gain wisdom. We only grow in our faith if we know that we have to have support for us in order to go forward. And so this is what the idealized human figure looks like before God. Someone who does have a measure of power, but they also have a measure of weakness. I wonder what you and I are in tune to in our own lives this morning. Some of us are so paralyzed by our weaknesses that we don't ever lean into our strengths. And some of us are so prideful uh, that we need to get in touch with the weak parts of ourselves so that we can have our pride um, sanded off a little bit, the strong parts of our lives sanded off a little bit so that we can be useful for the community. I think I've used this image before, but author Lynn Sweet, when you go into his home office, he created the entry in a really neat way. He made the entryway lower so that you have to duck your head in order to get into his office. But he also created a step up into his office. So you have to step up and you have to crouch at the same time. Maybe that is a great metaphor for the Christian life where we humble ourselves, we duck our heads in humility, but we also step up in realizing the gifts and the strengths that we have. And so that's what I want to pray for this morning is that we are humbled but also empowered for the next faithful season in our faith. So let's spend some time praying together this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you today that you're a merciful and gracious God. We thank you the truth is that your mercy is new every single morning and great is your faithfulness. And God, I just understand that there's a, such a complexity about us. You've created us a little lower and angels, so there's a, a lowliness about us, but you've also crowned us with glory and splendor, so there's something brilliant about us. And I thank you that we can embrace that as we embrace the gospel, that your love was poured out to us because you love us and we needed to be rescued. And so God, this day, I pray for some of us this morning who are way too in touch with our weaknesses 
that we don't trust ourselves, that we've made in our minds too many mistakes, that we felt like we're disqualified from the game. But God, I thank you that your mercy is new for us today. You can stir us up, that you can cause us to have a renewed vision to walk in greater depths of faithfulness, that we could take risks and know that you are with us. God, some of us, we've gotten too prideful. We've had too many wins recently, and we've been trusting in our own strength. So God, I thank you this day that you remind us that we have a lowly frame, that we have to rely upon you, that we should keep in step with the Spirit, that we need to bear burdens and fulfill the law of Christ, not just go our own way. And so God, this day, for those of us who have trusted in ourselves too much, God, I pray that you would remind us of how we are in need of you every single day and every single hour. God, ultimately, I pray that the message of the gospel would be realized in all of our lives. That we realize that we're sinners, that we need you, that we are in your debt continually, but we're also saints, that, we're, we, that we've been made holy, that we're being made holy, and that you're going to perfect us until the day of Christ. So God, allow the gospel to wash over our lives fresh and new. Allow us to be in touch with our weaknesses, be in touch with our strengths, so that in all things we might bear witness to the love of God that we find in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.